Praise God for His most excellent word, and welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, a Bible study program coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing a sermon delivered by my husband, Greg Scalzo, the pastor of our church and the author of the important new book entitled The Nature and Power of Prayer. In the current Heavenly Authority sermon, Pastor Greg has been teaching on respect for authority and the limits of that respect, and for the text he has been in Acts chapter 4. When we left off, Peter and John had healed the man born lame. The religious leaders greatly disturbed that the apostles are preaching Jesus and bringing many to the faith, have Peter and John arrested. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, so you have the Sanhedrin, the elders, and the scribes, the Pharisees, the scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. You have them all, all the people we've spoken about in the last few weeks, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the captain of the temple, the priests, the chief priests, Annas, Caiaphas, they're all together. All the leaders of Israel are gathered together. Verse 7, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? By what power? By what name? By what authority? Really, the same as they asked Jesus. How are you doing these things? And of course, it should have made a question in their minds, could this be of God? By what power? By what name? The name is so important. They're doing this by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By what power, by what name have you done this? Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a Spirit-filled answer. Verse 9, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, by him, not by us, not by our power, but by his power, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And he quotes the psalm. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Holy Spirit anointed preaching. Jesus healed this man. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's only one way to God and that's through Jesus Christ, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stands before the religious leaders of Israel, and he even quotes them the scripture to show they would reject the very one that God would send. 
There's power. This is not the old fearful Peter, is it? Locked behind the doors. There's truth whom you crucified. He's telling them truthfully. And he's stating the gospel clearly. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness, one word, they're standing before the authority of Israel and Peter and the Holy Spirit is being very bold. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And we've studied that scripture several times, how Jesus changes us, remakes us, educates us. They were uneducated now. They could speak there before the scribes, and they had knowledge of God's word. Jesus influences multiplying. They thought he was dead, and now they have two in front of them in power and boldness speaking the word of God. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, evidence. If this is a trial, there's evidence. The man is healed. He was lame from birth. They all know it. And now he's whole. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. The evidence silenced them. Clearly a miracle has happened. And as Israel's leaders, they should evaluate it, but they're reluctant to say it's of God. There has never been enough evidence for them because Jesus, over three years, has performed miracle after miracle, and now his disciples are doing the same. Verse 15, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident. It's evidence to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Well, then maybe you should evaluate it. There's evidence, clear evidence. This man is healed, a notable miracle. Verse 17, But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. We have to stop it so that it doesn't spread. They don't evaluate it. They don't say it can be of God. They want to keep their power. We have to stop it. We will order them not to speak to any man in this name. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Don't speak in his name. Don't teach in his name. It's an authoritative decree from the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, the top elders, all the officials of Israel have decreed that the disciples cannot go out and they cannot speak in the name of Jesus, they cannot teach in the name of Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, there are several authoritative decrees noted in the book of Daniel. You know how Daniel, as a teenager, is carried into captivity, as well as three Hebrew friends who would be named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're taken with a group of the upper class by Nebuchadnezzar to be brought into the court of Nebuchadnezzar to be trained to become servants, and they were educated, so they wanted higher class people around them. And it was common for the leaders in those days when they conquered a nation to take the upper level citizens and bring them into their court as servants. 
And Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are among them. And the four of them rise in the Babylonian court to become rulers and chief administrators by the grace of God. We know how Daniel interprets the dream that no one else can interpret. And they rise into a position of being governors. Even as Joseph, when he's in Pharaoh's land of Egypt, from captivity, from prison, he rises up to be second in command just under Pharaoh. He goes from being very low to being very high because these men are good stewards. They have very similar characteristics. They're diligent men, they're honest men, they're trustworthy men, they're good stewards, and they're, even though they have heathen kings, the kings know by common sense that no one else could do better for them then, in Pharaoh's case, Joseph, and in Nebuchadnezzar's case, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. So you see how, in the Old Testament, they use the same principle that Paul spoke about when we started off in Romans chapter 13. They did their job, they were diligent, they were good stewards, and they rose in power just out of common sense, they prosper the land. They do their job. If you're an employer, it's very hard to find an employee that diligently, with a good heart, does their job. Who else could have saved Egypt except Joseph? Later, when the Medes conquer Babylon, Daniel is made one of the governors. He even succeeds in the next administration. God raises up kings. God brings down kings. But going back under Nebuchadnezzar, when Nebuchadnezzar makes the decree that when the music starts, all in the land ought to fall down and to worship the 90-foot-tall gold image he has set up, which is idolatry. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not worship. They refuse. Those that don't like them, maybe they're too efficient for the others, show them up. And Nebuchadnezzar gets angry, and they're thrown into the fiery furnace, but they're saved by one like the Son of God. There was a limit, amen. There was a limit to their service. There was a limit to their respect for authority. There was a limit to what they honored the king. They were great servants of Nebuchadnezzar, but they would not bow down and worship the gold idol. They would not commit immorality, idolatry. Uh, later on in Daniel chapter 6, we read about the me, Darius, who has made Daniel the governor, and Daniel rises in position to be one of his top men. And in chapter 6, verse 3, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was on him. Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they had an excellent spirit about them. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm, raising him to the number two position. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, concerning his job in the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. He did his job. They couldn't find any charge against him. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless, unless 
we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And they know that Daniel is respectful and honors the king. He's obedient. But there is a master he has above the king. And when there's a contest between the two, Daniel will always serve his true master, the Lord God Almighty. So this is the only way we can get him. We can't get him on his job. He does too well. He's too good. He's made no mistakes. He has an excellent spirit. We have to get him on his beliefs. Verse 6, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute, a kingly decree, a royal statute, and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. On our shearjeshub.org website, you will find an archive of radio programs and information about our church, including directions to our Sunday service at 10 a.m. in Madison, Connecticut. And you will also find a link to bring you to more information about Pastor Greg Scalzo's new book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, 30 Bible Lessons to Effective Prayer That Will Change Your Life, a tremendously important topic for believers today. The church address again is www.shear-jashub.org. Make it your site for serious Bible study. Join us next time for Shear Jashub.